Welcome to our August edition of Seize the Day. We're knocking on the door of one year of our efforts and uh, really enjoying the process and hope that our listeners are enjoying it as well. Yeah, Jim. I mean, it's hard to believe it's almost been a year. We're uh, pretty dedicated to the cause, eh, Jim? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you bet. But, you know, Winston, it gives us a chance to communicate. And I think that is a big part of what today is about. It is. And, like, we're, we're um, always looking at trying to uh, seize the day through deep thoughts and sharing this with our listeners. And, you know, we weren't expecting a, a massive, huge fan base. But at the same rate, you know, um, like you said in earlier podcasts, if we can affect even a few people to change their day, then our, our goal has been accomplished. Sure has. And uh, I think we're going to get her going with communication awareness. Yeah, let's do that. Um, today's uh, theme of our podcast for those... Uh, anxious listeners waiting <laughs> heavily on their earbuds or in their car is that we're going to be talking about communication issues in the world today. Uh, lots of things happening worldwide right now and in Europe and otherwise and in the States as well. And uh, Jim and I thought we'd talk about a topic that's close to heart about communication. So let's talk with communication awareness, Jim. Let's see. Um, I guess we can angle it and start talking about, um, you know, uh, talking amongst friends even, or even the people we meet, how, how aware we are with our communication that we send out. Oh, for sure. We, when, you know, when you get an unexpected communication, mm -hmm. you know, be it an email or a text or a phone call or even better person to person, you know, it, it, it can really brighten your day, you know, if it comes from an old friend or you know, just something unexpected that's of a personal nature, you know, it, it, it can really brighten your day. But, you know, I think the strength of those things, you know, the strongest one is obviously the personal meeting, mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe you got your phone call and then we move on to email and text messages and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, that those forms of communication and awarenesses within them, are, uh, you know, really quite variable. Yeah, and, I, and that's interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned, like, uh, personal meetings was probably the age-old way of communicating, you know, like, actually taking the time to connect up with people. And that's slowly shifted to the other extreme, where, you know, it's less likely to meet people in, in person. I mean, I personally have met uh, people online and otherwise through um, joint forums and things like that. And you might talk to them for years, but never really meet them until years <laughs> later. Um, and yet you're still able to establish um, relationships with these, with these people. But the, the strange part is that until you actually meet the person, you don't really get a true vibe of what that person's about. Yes, completely correct. And... Uh not only, you know, because we do this on a Skype-based platform, but right. we have had the pleasure of meeting on uh, occasions personally. So that, that makes our Skype-based time, mm -hmm. I think, so much more interesting. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, I, I, nothing knocking remote communications because it's definitely handy and convenient. But um, I'll give you an example. I, I've been communicating with a, fan, a friend um, online for over 10 years, and uh, because we're in different continents, it was difficult to ever connect up in person. But we had the opportunity when I went to uh, France and Paris recently. And after 10, 12 years, I finally met him in person. 
And it was a great meeting. We had so much history built up from our communications uh, online and otherwise that when we finally met, it was just, it was almost um, a strange kind of surprise, you know? <laughs> Pen pals meeting. Yeah, it was like elevating the um, the depth of the relationship to one more step. So now we're not these remote people that are just icons or or um, texts or things like that, but more um, you have a better feel of who that person is and what they're all about. And also the depth of the connection is deeper. So then you can go back to the the online communication easily because you've already gone past that in depth when you meet the person, right? Well, absolutely. I think I think it makes that um, takes that communication from what may be considered casual to a deeper sense because you have that personal connection and meeting. Yeah, and in, I think the topic we were bringing up about communication awareness is just about knowing what we're sending out there. I mean, uh, verbally or otherwise. Like, you know, I guess when we meet someone in person, you can read their uh, physical body language as well as their. Um, as their emotion and their facial expression and you can actually be more aware of what they're sending out like you could say the same word you know uh, online versus in person and the other person will pick up the cue of what you mean a lot better by seeing your whole expression in your body language more so than when you're online because online you're only basically on the tonality of your voice uh, maybe the pausing maybe the phraseology and it, it's limiting about what you can say. So I, I can sympathize with anybody who works in the radio industry of uh, being misinterpreted or otherwise. They have to be really animated or controlled to actually project the right message. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, you know, I've never really made that connection between radio and, uh, and uh, you know, how to communicate. And I think one of the best people at that, um, and we've had the pleasure of, of going... I think three times. Yeah, maybe four. Is Stuart McLean and 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 going to the Vinyl Cafe? Oh wow! And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, no, I'm not. Share with me. Program CBC program Stuart McLean. Mm. You know, in my first encounter with Stuart McLean was through books he'd uh, written, mm -hmm. and he, he he's just got a very interesting perspective on what he sees. Um, so. Yeah, and he's enormously humorous, you know, with his perspective on stuff, and and his Vinyl Cafe uh, book series is is just you know characters that he's developed that he puts in very interesting situations, and there's a great deal of humor with that. And then to you know to read it, and then to see it live or hear it on the radio. One time we were we were coming back from a little bit of a vacation in Red Deer, and we heard. Uh, you know, quite a long episode uh, of a story from the Violent Cafe driving home. We were above Calgary, and by the time the episode finished, we were well below Calgary. We'd gone all through the, you know, the the basic uh, Deerfoot challenges that present themselves on that highway if anybody's been there. Yeah. And you just laughed all the way. You didn't even know time passed. Wow. That communication. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, I don't know, three or four years, and we catch that same episode live at his presentation at the Key City Theater in Cranbrook, and it was it, it was fabulous. It, you know, it was just 
and 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 uh, have those three forms of communication on the same thing and compare them is is a pretty unique thing and i really never thought about that till just now hey so i mean that's interesting so now i'm curious since you've had the different levels of of um uh experience both on in person and then through the radio which one was the most impactful of the bunch uh i you know, sometimes when it's a book, it can really impact you because you can go back and review it so easily mm-hmm. or share it or whatever. Um, but honestly, uh, <laughs> live, you know, live in person is, is pretty spectacular. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's part of the reason why we, we seek out experiences like concerts and stuff. It's one thing to listen to somebody's um, CD, but the experience of seeing the person perform even with all the flaws that come with live performance, it just gives it more of a, uh, a personal touch. Anybody who's listened to a CD and then not liked certain songs, but then seen it performed live and then grows an affinity for it will probably understand this. You know, sometimes you need someone performing the song live in front of you before you actually appreciate it. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a little go at that. You know, we, we kind of took a, a bucket list thing and we went to... Uh, Las Vegas in late 2014 and and took in uh, Andrea Bocelli. Oh wow! Did you really? I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a spectacular performance, and uh, he did four encores and a curtain call, and wow, it was it was like it, beyond expression. It was it was an emotional experience, you know. But we had seats that were the sound was fabulous, but we had seats that were just in front of the stage but off to the what would be stage right uh-huh. um so you know we, we we were able to see him come onto the stage and he had the los angeles uh symphony with him and the conductor from that symphony took him on and off and you know i think after about the second encore the the conductor figured well we're done now we're good right and they're just about to step down or they may have gone down one step and and, you know, just watching Andrea Bocelli, he just grabbed the wrist of the conductor, stopped him from proceeding, and they turned around and came back to do another encore. And you you can't get that any other way than being there. Yeah, I know, because you get to see the emotion of that yeah. that, that subtle movement. Yeah. Oh, and wow. for, those, for those events, you know, there's a communication in the audience as a collective to the performer. Right. Right, the biofeedback almost. Yeah, you know? yeah. Wow. That's neat. I like that analogy and I like that experience. That's cool. I mean, that kind of leads us to the second part of our talk about nonverbal communication, how we pick up cues nonverbally when we speak and when we communicate and how that affects and impacts um, how we communicate, right? Yeah, and observing what Andrea Bocelli did with that conductor is... Um, a- you saw that he was enjoying himself as much as the audience was. Yeah, now that's yeah. deep. Now that's yeah. deep. I mean, anybody who's a driver will experience this and <laughs> and notice the many ways of nonverbal communication. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah. we've experienced a couple of different things. Aside from the creatures that fly in the air, there's been a few birds thrown here and there. <laughs> well, no, I'll give a real, real wild example of that. Okay, sure. You know, I, I just love our conversations because they bring all these interesting memories back. Sure, go for it. Right? So, you know, way back in the day, I played a little basketball in high school and that sort of thing. And we were playing in the 
the uh, zone playoffs against uh, Trail. Uh-huh. And it was a two-game total point series. And we'd won the first game, and we're in the second game and doing doing fairly well. And um, one of the uh, gentlemen I played with, he was a highly skilled player, much, much, much better than me. And, uh, and we'd practice some stuff in the gym, you know, like he was six, five. So we, you know, we do the old lob where he, you know, catch it and in the air, put it off the backboard. And we just kind of looked at one another and he gave me this little nod and turned to go. And I flipped him the lob pass and the coaches had never seen us do it. And it worked like a charm. And it was just that little eye contact and nod. And we knew what, there was nothing spoken. We knew what was going to happen. Yeah, no, that's deep. Because those are the things that, that really kind of show a connection. And I think that's what's neat about nonverbal communication. You can express so much with so little. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that's the depth. In fact, that builds a deeper connection. That The nod, the wink, the whatever, that makes... Um, it seem, it's almost instinctual almost to, to the point where uh, if you have that level of connection, like sometimes if you know a, a friend well enough, you can tell when they're down even before they say a word, right? Or if that goes for family members or pets or anything else. You look at them and you make an assessment really quickly based on your experience with them of how they're holding their body or how they're holding their head. And you can tell what you need to give that person to bring them up or bring them down even, right? Yeah, yeah. I had that experience yesterday, actually. You know, it was it wasn't personal, but I, you know, I phoned a a guy I work with who's also a you know a friend and the the son of a very good friend, and and I phoned him yesterday to let him know about a you know possible opportunity down the road for him, and he just didn't sound right, you know. And yeah. um, I was walking home from work um, early in the afternoon. I got a text message from his dad that said uh, that. Um, his mother-in-law had passed away, so it would have been the young fella's grandmother. Oh, so, you know, wow. and I heard that in his voice, but you know, I obviously had no inkling. But the text message made all the sense in the world as to why he sounded the way he did. Yeah, yeah, those are the things that you, I mean, you pick up on, but you can't put your finger on right away. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It needs more information, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you were in person, you'd pick up on that way, way, way quicker and simpler and you might ask what's up you know yeah oh yeah you could tell right away because based on history too right whether or not a person's um you know behaving properly or normally and um you can make those adjustments quicker and then i think there's a deeper connection between the two people too because that way you're not guessing you're actually you're knowing you won't let it go you know yeah 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 right you know, it's so funny. I was watching this um, this YouTube video. Uh, it was shared online through Facebook about about um, you know uh, it was about these women that were hashtagging and and um, you know they're they're holding a skateboard and they're hashtagging like skater and all the things. And then they show the aftermath after they take the photo that they share on Instagram, and then they can barely skate themselves, right? They, just, <laughs> they want to send the impression that they're all so sporty, and they. You know, everything's hashtag everything. And yet, this is the thing. I think we're in the, we've gone from like um, a unique or genuineness to sort of like a, almost like a poser society where we want people to see what we want to put out there. So you got to take Facebook and stuff for, with a grain of salt. You know, I mean, most people want to put out, the grass is always greener. You're going to put out out there what you what you feel comfortable sharing. But most people, depending on their personality, want to share the good stuff, not the bad, right? 
<laughs> yeah, it's the bad stuff that uh, does the real development. Yeah, it helps. Personally. Yeah, well, it helps. you know, I mean, obviously good experiences do that too, but, you know, you, you, you can't appreciate success without failure. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And, um, you know, it's funny how, you know, we can t try to define um, our life experience by the great things that happen, but lots of times it's actually the crappy things that happen that, that really challenges. You know, nobody wants them, but when they're there, you know, they're there for a reason. Yeah, and uh, it just a really good, uh, listen to a speech yesterday from a gentleman who uh, had written a book called This Is Water. Or, or his, he, he'd given a commencement speech mm -hmm. in 2005, and it was transcribed into a book called This Is Water. And David Foster Wallace is the gentleman's name. Okay. So he talked about perspective and how it relates to communication. You know, so certain people can have belief systems or whatever, mm. and from their perspective, they're absolute truths. But from somebody else's perspective, they aren't. And it was an interesting discussion that, or presentation. And it basically, I think his message was, is, you know, you have to consider perspective and you have to consider where other people are at with their perspective. Right. On absolute truths or what you encounter. It, it was interesting. It made you really, really think. Yeah, I can see why, because, you know, that's pretty deep. I mean, we're not talking about, um, yeah, I can see where that would come into play. Like, for example, if my absolute truth is that you must do this before preparing for a game or something like that, yeah. because that's my ritual, right? Yeah. That's, to me, that's an absolute must, because that's what I need to get prepared. But for anyone else, it's like an optional thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? And if anybody who's done any amount of coaching knows that, what motivates one player doesn't motivate another. Yeah, it's very, very personal and customized. Yeah. And, um, you know, neither one is wrong. It's just a matter of what's required for that individual, right? Yeah. You know, so I mean, that leads us into the next uh, segment of our talk about non-traditional and new age connections. I mean, I guess this is an example of a new age connection. We're doing this by Skype, remote parts of, we're probably a good ooh, eight to ten hours drive away from each other. <laughs> uh, you can do it in eight, but you wouldn't be observing the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, of course, us law-abiding citizens, yeah. you know, we're uh, going the speed limit. We'll be there in 12. <laughs> so, but then you also miss out seeing the scenery, so why do that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought about doing a road trip in the summer sometime, but... You know, it, it's you have to be in the right mode for it. You know, it, it, you know how sometimes you plan out wanting to go on this long road trip, and then about three hours into it, you realize I could have flown. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe there, it, there in itself is the um, is the you know the proverbial fork in the road where the the driving is the is the load, road less traveled at times versus the the flight that is the road more traveled. Right, right. You know, it's funny. Uh, I mean, in non-traditional New Age connections, I think about all the ways that people communicate now. I mean, people are meeting. You know, I was reading this uh, book by um, 
uh, that comedian Ansari, he was talking about romance in the new age and how 25% of people are now meeting online, right? Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, part of it's convenience, but part of it is almost like, you know how we can Google things to find the best deal. It's like, in a way, we're Googling and, and putting ourselves online to see what the best connection would be, whereas before, we were limited by the choices immediately available to us regionally, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe people don't want to meet some of the old-fashioned ways in social gathering situations. Yeah, and here's the, here's the catch. This is something that our listeners probably aren't expecting, whereas I'm, I'm going the direction where it's good to have worldwide choice. My thought is, too that sometimes you have to go all the way around in a circle to come back to square one. And what I mean is that you may find your perfect match down the street. And I'll tell you why. Um, the reason why I think that might be the case is that if you have a whole wide selection of people, that's great. You know, people from different cultural backgrounds, different location, geolocation, location um, uh, uh, to consider. But here's the thing. When you make a choice to live in a particular neighborhood or area, that's a that's not an invisible choice in a sense. I mean, somehow, some way, the people that are you're, that surround you had made a similar choice based on the environment that they live in, and they like where they live, I suppose, right? So that already puts you in a separate category of which part of the world you're living in, uh, what areas you're used to, your favorite neighborhood jaunts and, and um, stores and everything else, and then even the environment of what you appreciate, like whether it be mountains or water or or a busy city. Now that, in my mind, already narrows down your selection process from people who, uh, the general population to um, a group of people who have a core similarity in what they enjoy. Yeah, there's a commonality in geography that's important. Right, oh. and I'll show you an example. Let's say you and I live down the street together, and we've lived there all our life. There's a pretty good chance that we share anything in common that We'll share a walk together or a coffee together at some point in our life, if, as long as we're not too diverse to the point where we don't like to hang out, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the fact that we live so close together, if it were, it was only a block, well, it gives us a high probability just because we know the area well. Um, you know, we're experiencing the same things on a day-to-day basis, from weather, you know, like from <laughs> how's the weather to where we're living, and, and even like... Um, day-to-day -day events, but yet I find it kind of interesting that a lot of us, even though we have many neighbors around us, that we're going to choose to drive hours to see friends that are much farther away, and yet, you know, our potential best friend could be down the block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, there's sometimes there's got to be a reason to encounter, or maybe it's not a reason, maybe it's... Um, Maybe it's just fate that yeah, you encounter one another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm we're, I'm on the cusp of uh, my 40th high school. Well, this is 40 years since graduation of high school. Wow! So there's a reunion that we'll attend one evening with, and uh, you know, a lot of those people have chosen to be in different geographies than. I'm still in the same community that I graduated from. I'm quite happy to be in that community. I, you know, it's where I've always felt most comfortable in the world. Mm -hmm. That's a choice, right? Yeah. Their choice may be different. Maybe some of their choices because uh, the local economy doesn't provide what they want to do. But you know, obviously, you know, if 
the, a lot of them are in greater Vancouver and they'll come back and, you know, we'll, we'll have, you know, discussions and, you know, it'll be great to see them. Yeah. But, you know, um, a lot of my very closer friends have, you know, and th those were close friends at one time and, and that happens in periods of our life. You know, we create friendships and different aspects of our life. Mm -hmm. I still have the ability to walk down the street and see people that I went to elementary school with and, you know, share a chat and have a smile and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think maybe living away from there, that, that can't happen for them. Right. Yeah, it's interesting how that, um, that sense of community connection is actually such a valuable thing. I mean, um, I, when, I, when I grew up, I lived um, fairly close to my elementary school, within five blocks anyways. And um, my parents kind of stayed put where they were, and then I went to high school nearby. Um, and so what's nice about that, having that solid base and foundation, is that you get a sense of community, even if you don't love the, everyone around you. The fact is that that's where you live. And, you know, when we raised our daughter, that was one of the things we really wanted to do, to move to a place and plant ourselves there and not be one of the kids that have to be moved around from place to place, to have that stability, right? Yeah, you're... you're and where does that relate to communication? Well, she communicates in the village she's in. And, you know, if we look at, at other parts of the world, North America is extremely transient compared to other parts of the world, the European village or the, you know, the Chinese village or the, you know, Asian village or, or whatever, right? It's mm. where there's so much more transience here, whereas, you know, those relationships go back multi, multi generations in, in those other villages mm -hmm. where we, we, we don't see that so much in, in North America. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. It's, um, so that, you know, that, that, that maybe impacts what is standard for communication here versus what would be standard for communication there. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it's, um, it's, a, it's an interesting way of, of um, you know, looking at the world in a way, right? I mean, the fact that if we choose to, um, um, you know, make a mark in our life and, and call what, what we call home, um, it really does set the, the path for everything we do in the rest of our lives, too. I mean, for example, you know, you choosing to stay uh, in your original neighborhood has had probably significant benefits that we don't even see. There's a sense of well-being that comes from knowing that you get support from your community, right? Oh yeah, for sure. It's there's no doubt about it. Um, it well, you know, since I'm maybe eight blocks from where I grew up, eight or ten blocks from where I grew up, so you know, in my little part of the world, maybe I'm a little bit different neighborhood. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, you know, I I. I go by the old place on my bike rides and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, weird, eh? Um, that, you know, to have that, I mean, to have that core, I mean, you probably take it for granted after a while because it's just the way it is, right? But it is really nice to have that constancy. I think it's good for mental health, too. I think, you know, we were talking earlier about all the crazy things that have happened in the world in the last month or two with all the strange events around the world. And we were talking about how um, part of that's coming from mental health issues, right? Um, and with that, not to get too political or anything, but when, when people 
when the society kind of ignores those those uh, people of the world that have those issues, that's when you see these cries for help. You know, it comes out in different ways where, you know, it comes out in violence or comes out in like terrorist attacks and things like that. But um, underneath it all, people want to be heard and they want to be uh, appreciated. I think underneath all of that, the simplicity of it, if we were going to narrow it down, is that the people that are doing these things for attention um, and to make a point are only doing so because they're not happy with the way things are going in their life. Yeah, and you know what I think, you know, we take a couple steps back and look at the the old village model, maybe that person got more validation in their life because they were part of that neighborhood and the way communication occurred as opposed to today. Yeah. Where it's so less personal and, and um, you know, just walking down the street is a more impersonal act because people are looking at their text message or talking on their cell or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and you know, that leads me to, to the idea that, um, you know, there's an age-old saying that you never want to fight with somebody who's got nothing to lose, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what it comes down to. In order for someone to get so desperate to get to the point where they, um, they you know, they want to hurt other people, they obviously think that their current life isn't so good that they have to protect it, you know? So the, what, what people do is when they feel pain, they want to share their pain to diffuse some of their pain in a way, right? And um, I think that we're, that's where it ties in with communications and connections. We, because our traditional connection method of, of you know, meeting the people down the street and feeling that sense of community is somewhat diluted now with everyone traveling and moving to different worlds and, and countries, that lack of connection is actually fostering a lot of the strife that's happening, in my opinion, because it's lack of communication, lack of understanding, not reading the cues, and um, the root cause is actually lack of love, if you think about it. I mean, people not finding the love they're looking for, or not feeling the love from their community, or, um, you know, I, I often think that one person can make a big difference, even if it's seemingly insignificant. Even the occasional hello to a person that may not have that interaction during the day can change their day. <coughs> Hugely. Yeah. Hugely change your day. Yeah, it I know. Take I, them I, from I, being completely anonymous in the world to being recognized in the world. Yeah, you know, and uh, I think I was watching this TV show. It was talking about um, homeless uh, people who are begging on the street. And they said the most painful thing is not when people don't give me the money, but the the most painful thing is when they completely ignore me as if I don't exist. Yeah, yeah, and there's, and we're caught up in our day where, where you know, perhaps judgment comes into viewing those people. And, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I always. Think you know, and I've heard people you know maybe say some disparaging things about that, and and I've once or twice said, well, you know, be careful how how much you you judge those people because for the grace of God go I, you don't know where they're, what path they've traveled or what got them there. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's, it's it, and we we all pull out that or we all have that judgment card in us, right? But. You know, I try to to step back to that thought when it when I get that judgment idea in my head over seeing someone who's who's clearly having some challenges. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody gets down on the luck. Sometimes we're fortunate enough to be in a so social circle that they won't let us fall too far, right? Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we're all that far from that spot. So, you know, I think before we, we try to judge another person, got to walk a mile in their shoes to see what kind of turns they have. And sometimes you see it right from an early age when you see a child that's already uh, born into a disadvantaged family. And it's quite a struggle to get past that if you don't have any role models or support system that can get them past that, right? Yeah, yeah. That, there's, there's, uh, you know, some sometimes that opportunity may show up for them in the classroom, mm -hmm. you know, teacher that makes a difference or whatever, and because it's not at home for them. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why we need investment at that level because I think part of the connection stuff we're talking about is also changing in the fi family dynamic in the world. Yeah. Boy, hey, Jim, don't we sound real deep here? I just <laughs> Well, <laughs> gosh, we could do our documentary right there, man. I mean, that's where we bring it. Season the day. You know, some of our topics in previous months have been a little bit lighter on travel experiences and and things, but we surprise you, bam, right there. You never know what you're gonna get. Today we're talking about communication, and as a summary, we we covered a couple of key topics, eh, Jim, about yeah. nonverbal, traditional versus non-traditional communication, and I think the vote is for me. To, maybe we're old school, but I think the vote for traditional connections combined with new age uh, connections would be the best mix. Like, for example, if you have um, a deep connection with somebody that you met online, take the time to, to set up a meeting to really get to know if that person's who you'd really hang out with, right? I mean, it sounds trivial, but I mean, if you get the opportunity, make that time because you don't want to live in a virtual relationship either, right? Very, very well said, Winston. And I'll just take it one step further. Sure. Don't be afraid to do any of the following. You know, if you haven't communicated with somebody who's a friend from whatever part of your life in a while, mm -hmm. you know, just take this communication uh, idea with you and phone them, text them, email them, or go visit them and just say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, you know, it'll trust me. It'll it'll brighten their day and and uh, and they'll put a smile on their face. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think you're you're, you're onto something there, Jim. We could start a movement where people, you know, make it a goal that every day to make another person in your life feel important. Yeah, and um, I, I won't, I'll take it from more of the old friend perspective. But uh, there's a Bob Seger lyric that goes, uh, "To see old friends is good for the soul." Yeah, yeah, I, I can believe that. I mean, I'm just thinking about some people that, you know, you connect with. We always think about some of these people during, you know, like uh, New Year's resolutions or, or birthdays or things like that. But, you know, there could be somebody right in your immediate neighborhood or in your immediate social circle that you haven't talked to for a while that could be desperately looking for that help. And you know what I've found? The people that you feel that are the most popular and the most connected not always are. They, they might be the ones that are desperately looking for help because they're not the ones that obviously need that, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know? In fact, you know, sometimes the people that are um, in a more desperate situation, they have more people flock to them because they're sending out the distress signal like, I need help. Whereas people that are quietly in the corner looking strong may be the one that need the most encouragement, you know? 
Yeah, who, who who can tell till we have that conversation? Exactly. So yeah. the grass is always greener, but I think today we've cracked open a, you know, a new area of uh, seize the day about <laughs> communication, and it's like it's been fabulous, Jim. What do you think? It's stellar. Stellar. <laughs> yes, in our August 2016, on the brink of our one year celebration, like you you guys don't know what you have in store, but like in uh, for our. Um, one year celebration. We'll have to make it a good one next month. Oh, we'll uh, we'll put some deep thought to it. Winston. Deep, deep thought. <laughs> Break up the Chablis right there. But thank you for joining us for this uh, August 2016 episode of Seize the Day with my good friend Jim, who uh, brought with him uh, not only friendship but deep, insightful thoughts for the day. I thank you for your contributions, Jim. And back to back at you, Winston. This is always a pleasure. Yeah, it definitely is, brother, and I'm glad that we're friends enough to bring this to the world, and uh, whoever this may land to, I hope you seize the day as well. Vaio con Dios. Au revoir, my friend. Yeah. Until next time, August 2016, Jim and Winston out, right there. Take care, brother. You too.